Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today on Purdue Superheroes of Science, we are here with Brad Garzinski. Brad is a fourth year PhD student here in the Department of Earth, Atmospheric, and Planetary Sciences at Purdue University. So thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, start with what are your research? Yeah. Let's yeah, start there. So um, as Sarah said, I'm a fourth year PhD student, and uh, I'm in the planetary science group here at Purdue. Okay. And uh, in particular, I study uh, the geology of Mars. Oh. And I do that using a variety of data sets. I use images from satellites that are orbiting Mars. Uh, I use data coming back from Mars rovers, including the Perseverance rover. Mm -hmm. And I also study environments here on Earth uh, to try to understand what environments might have looked like billions of years ago on the surface of Mars. So. Oh, now I, I know with the Perseverance rover, that's a really big thing for you. And uh, it was, I remember the launch party and all that, and you were, you were pretty excited about that. Um, why? Yeah, well, <laughs> so I've, uh, yeah, just to give a little background, I've, I've had the privilege of um, working with the Perseverance rover since starting uh, uh, here at Purdue. Okay. Um, my advisor is Dr. Bryony Horgan, and she's a co-investigator. Uh, on the science team, and uh, so through her, I've been able to get involved, um, which has been a, a really incredible opportunity and a, an incredible learning experience to be a part of that. Um, so I started here in 2018, and uh, that was a few years before the rover landed. And uh, to give a little bit more context, uh, the Perseverance rover is one of the most recent uh, Mars rovers to land on the surface of Mars, uh, sent by NASA, and it's about the size of a small car. And um, back in 2012, uh, NASA landed a very similar uh, rover on the surface, the Curiosity rover. Um, and each rover, uh, since Perseverance, has had a, a, a simple question that it's been trying to answer. The, the first ro uh, rovers, the, the Mars Exploration rovers, had a question, well, did water exist, did liquid water exist on the, the surface of Mars? And um, the answer to that question was yes. And then Curiosity. Wait, wait. Liquid water was on Mars? At one point in time. Yeah. At one point. Okay. At right point, now, there's no liquid not water? Not today. The, the atmosphere is too thin. Okay. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, and then Curiosity wanted to understand well, did liquid water last long enough on the surface of Mars to create habitable environments for life to exist? And the answer to that question was yes. And uh, Perseverance has been tasked with this, this even more profound question well, um, if we have a habitable environment, uh, did life exist there at one point in time? And um, so I've had the privilege of, of being a part of that team to, to try to answer those questions. And uh, like you said, I've been involved from early on when before they even selected a landing site yeah. and to now to actually be doing operations on the surface of Mars. Um, so it's been, it's been a long journey, but it's been fun. So if the question, if one of these driving questions is, would life have existed, or what, would there have been a potential for life to exist on Mars? What sorts of evidence do you go about, how do you go about answering that question? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And, 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 uh, <laughs> and, and things that we're, we're trying to understand on the surface of, of Mars as well mm -hmm. is, um, well, we, we only have one data set to work okay. off of in terms mm -hmm. of life, and that's life on Earth. Yeah. And we know life obviously requires water. Um, 
and probably uh, probably long enough uh, water to exist long enough um, to to sustain life it, it requires uh, energy energy gradients um, so we were looking for particular uh, pieces of evidence that that would indicate that so we look at rocks did rocks interact with water at one point in its history how long did they interact with water um, what, what type of uh, chemicals may have existed there uh, that may have supported life um, or we're looking for organics evidence of organics which the presence of organics doesn't necessarily mean uh, that life existed, um, but it but it can, and, and that's a good indication that but isn't that like the definition of organic, something that was living? Well, you could get you could get well, our definition of life is it's carbon-based life. Um, okay. So organics can can be associated with life, but not necessarily. You could have uh, non-biologic forms of, of organics in the solar system. Um, but uh, that, so that's one good indication. And uh, so these are the types of things that, that we're trying to understand more. And one of the incredible things about the Perseverance rover is that we actually have an opportunity to sample some of these rocks. Okay. And NASA hopes to one day send another mission to the surface of Mars, a robotic mission, and um, to bring those samples back to Earth. And the reason that's so important is because we, we have an incredible sophisticated instrument suite on the surface of Mars. But the best science you're going to do is back here on Earth with much larger laboratories, much more sophisticated instruments. Because yeah. um, you, you don't have to fit everything onto a car and then launch it hundreds of millions of <laughs> miles away. You have the luxury of, of having these big research facilities. So that's the hope. Is we're trying to, What we're trying to do on the surface of Mars is find the best possible samples to bring back and have future scientists um, analyze those samples and, and try to find uh, evidence of life. And, and learn more about the history of Mars. Why? So. Why do we? Because there's a lot of money we, have, we we throw at this, right? Yeah. I mean, it, these missions aren't cheap. It's not like filling up your car and driving down the road. It, uh, it, so why do we want to know this? That's a good question. Uh, why? Um, and, and the reason is because Mars presents uh, an incredible opportunity not not only learn about the history of Mars, but also learn about the history of our planet here. And um, so uh, our planet is about 4.6 4 billion years old. Um, and a large part of that history is, is recorded within our rocks. But um, a large part of that early history has been wiped out. And we have processes on Earth that, that Mars hasn't experienced. That's uh, tectonics, like plate tectonics, where we're subducting plates and, and basically recycling those rocks back into the earth and we're racing that record. Uh, we have weather and we have rain that um, erodes those rocks away and deletes that record. Mars has a pristine surface that hasn't experienced any of those processes. So early on it, it has a record of you know, some of the oldest rocks in the solar system that, that may record um, a story of, of that not only the early solar system but but what what may earth but what earth might have been experiencing at that same time um, and we we have good indication that early on Mars and Earth were very similar um, in terms of they, they both had liquid water um, they both may have had a similar atmosphere okay. uh, at some point they diverged um, but but we have an opportunity to, to access some of those oldest rocks and, and learn more about our planet. 
and going out beyond science and, and understanding the history of Earth, it's it's uh, it's a technological feat. It's it's an opportunity for us to, to push the boundaries of what we're capable of doing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that the the Perseverance rover, the, the larger Mars 2020 mission, has been able to do is they've sent the the Ingenuity helicopter, which is um, it, it's not a science instrument. It's been a technology demonstration, and it's the question of can we can we fly a, uh, an aircraft on another planet? And this was this, the, the first powered flight on another planet beyond Earth. And um, it was a unique challenge because uh, Mars has, uh, Mars's atmosphere is about 100 times thinner than ours. Okay. And so you have to spin the blades really fast. So we didn't, we didn't know if we could do that. And, um, and uh, the helicopter was given five flights and uh, it's, it's done an incredible job and, and it did so well that NASA it even extended the mission. So now it most recently, I think, uh, did its 23rd flight or 22nd oh flight. Yeah, wow. so, so it's, it's stuff like that is, mm -hmm. um, is presenting these unique challenges that, ha that push the boundaries of what we're able to do uh -huh. uh, in terms of technology that we can then apply back here on Earth. Mm -hmm. So um, the helicopter that it's flying um, is, I mean, is it like, getting images or is it doing scans because I mean yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. they don't they're not gonna fly it just to say oh we did yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they, they multi-purpose everything yeah so when they also to give you some context it's not a giant <laughs> helicopter with some Martian just flying around <laughs> it's um it's about uh like 19 inches tall okay. so it's um it's pretty decent size little little drone yeah and um it was when NASA sent it there, it was tucked up in the belly of the rover. And one of our first jobs when we got to the surface, in, in addition to checking out all the instruments, making sure the rover was safe, was finding a good safe, we call it parking spot, um, for, uh, to, to, deploy the ro uh, to deploy the helicopter. And the helicopter just folded out of, uh, and just the Perseverance dropped it off, and, um, and, uh, and, and then it, Perseverance drove away and was able to um, actually record video of, of the, the the helicopter in flight. And to answer your question, um, early on, the, the first five flights were just to see can can the rover or can the helicopter get off the surface and, yeah. and do all these maneuvers. Uh, and after those first first five flights, NASA wanted to see well, how can we use the helicopter to prioritize science and help a rover mission on the surface of Mars. So it's it's sort of been a scout for the Perseverance rover, okay. where it does reconnaissance uh, on areas that the rover can't reach, or the areas that the rover is going uh, uh, was is planning on driving to. Mm -hmm. So it, it takes images in flight, and um, actually on on its recent flight, it did a, a really cool flight where it took images of the uh, descent stage of the Perseverance rover that um, that had the parachute on it. Uh -huh and um, that the rover ejected and actually it crashed into the surface. Uh, so you could see the, the remnants of the, the descent stage, which is really cool. That's the first time we've ever really uh, been able to, to take photos, images of that, mm -hmm. that quality of a, a piece of hardware. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. Are you guys like building transformers then? Is that what's <laughs> happening here? We're building transformers. Yeah, like Decepticons. Oh, I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the next mission. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting a little nervous here. Apple on the surface of Mars. Oh my goodness. Unfortunately, Curiosity and Perseverance are too far away for that. But I don't know if that's in. 
NASA's budget. <laughs> it's all at NASA. I'll just throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> so It'd be cool. It'd be, you know, a moneymaker if we're trying to, NASA's trying to get more money. Oh. Yes, it would. Go into entertainment. Wow. But, but uh, so why in particular are you, what do you spend your days researching? Yeah, so I, um, so, so the, the team is made up of hundreds of scientists and engineers, yeah. and uh, we operated on a, on a daily basis. So we have a, a, an engineering team at, at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is where the mission is based out of. And uh, we have a, a set of scientists there, but most of the science team is sort of scattered all around. And uh, we, each, we each bring to the table a different set of expertise and, um, and research backgrounds. Uh, so we have um, people who study volcanic processes. We have people that study uh, deltas and river systems. We have yeah. people that study um, uh, astrobiology and, and look at uh, understand how microbes interact with rocks. So everyone has a different particular area of, of research and interests. Uh, for me, my particular research interests are, uh, well, currently I'm using data from the rover to understand um, these particular features that we're seeing on the surface of rocks that are um, these coatings, these rock coatings that uh, we, we think formed in the, in the presence of, of water. Uh, they have yeah. uh, certain minerals that are suggested that, that um, uh, there was some sort of water that interacted with these. So, so trying to understand more about how these coatings may have formed uh, adds another piece to that larger puzzle and uh, or or story that uh, of the larger history of that crater. Mm -hmm. um, we know there was a lake there at some point in time, um, but what happened after that lake mm -hmm. or during that lake uh, is is a huge question mark, and that's what we're trying to answer. Yeah. Now, if if I remember right, when we talked to Briny there over a year ago, mm -hmm. if the team suspects there's a possibility that there is life somewhere, you're not allowed to land there. Um, so, so the existing life, protection, yeah, there, yeah existing there's, life. A, there's a huge... Um, the planetary Protection Act or something like that? Yeah, there's there's a huge set of, um, or offices of, of NASA that is devoted to planetary protection. Okay. And um, that's sort of, uh, you know, if we find, uh, if we go to a place that, that are, uh, that has existing life, then, then there are a lot of rules and things that we need to to abide by to make sure that you know we we don't want to contaminate anything yeah. that that um, uh, that may be existing on Mars. Uh, so what the Perseverance rover is doing is is tasked with finding ancient life. We don't yeah. we don't suspect that existing life is there because the surface environment of Mars is 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 really harsh today. Yeah. Uh, there's really high radiation. Um, there's no liquid water at the surface. It's pretty, pretty barren. Uh, there's a set of research that is looking into uh, the subsurface of Mars as a potential place for life to exist, mm -hmm. but that, that's an environment that we can't access uh, with the rover, okay. Okay. Um, currently with the, with the rover. But uh, yeah, so there are certain areas of Mars that have higher potential than others. Um, and those are areas that we have to that we have to be careful because we don't we don't know um, what exists there, yeah. and we don't want to, um, you know, contaminate anything or, or do any uh, 
just uh, discover life on some sort of life on another planet and wipe it out all in the same action. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'd be a little irresponsible. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, this is your your current. This is research right now. It's currently your current research. What is like in the future? So at some point, will you be able to continue this research? Will there be an endpoint for you that someone else would pick up on? How does that? Yeah. Move? So. Um, I mean, as a, as a PhD student, mm -hmm. um, you know, for better or for worse, my, my days here are numbered. Um, yeah. So I um, so when I leave here at Purdue, I I I hope to continue at some point mm -hmm. um, with the rover, but that would be sort of outside of Purdue. Oh, okay. Uh, and then, but my advisor, uh, Dr. Horgan, she. She's a co-investigator, so she she will she's on the mission, mm -hmm. and um, she'll she'll probably bring in more students, and she's I think bringing in a postdoc, and um, that will that will be working on the mission. Okay. So she's um, yeah she has a group that and and some of her other students have she was a participating scientist on the Curiosity rover, so mm -hmm. she has oh, some cool. students that yeah. have been involved with that, but, um, but she's most active on the Perseverance mm -hmm. rover. Now, it, correct me if if my assumption's wrong, but. You, you've spent years. You, I mean, you've dedicated years and unbelievable amounts of hours researching this and investigating this. And so, I would assume the project wouldn't want to lose that expertise. And so, if you get a job, I assume you're going to be—I don't know—do you plan on being a faculty somewhere or a research scientist somewhere? Uh, that's that's a good question. I don't. I think uh, the immediate goal is I, I'd love to. To stay on the mission in, in some capacity, yeah. I think, like you said, is uh, is being involved for so long, and to have that certain knowledge set. And there's certain days where, uh, you know, I know a few years from now we're heading to this part of the crater. We're actually yeah. going to the outside yeah. of the crater. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know, I just want to see what's over there. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> right. I just want to stick around long enough to to look at the that other side of that. Yeah, that landscape um so uh yeah i think that that's the immediate goal obviously with anything it's um you know moving on to other things or bringing in new people that that's important mm -hmm. it's uh it's important for change it's important to get new perspectives mm -hmm. so recognizing that too is um that's the only only way uh i think that that the mission could be successful, but also the individuals on the team could be successful as getting different perspectives. So I'd love to, I'd love to stay uh, in some capacity, but uh, I think long term, I'd I'd love to be in some sort of uh, teaching capacity, and I, I'd love to stay around science. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll see. That's yeah. Maybe I'll look at this YouTube video a decade from now and and be like. Man, I don't know what I was I had no idea where I was going. <laughs> After a decade or two, that we're always idiot. wondering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we always look back, right? Huh? Ah. But so yeah, that's just that's just part of life. As someone yeah. who's lived a few decades, I can tell you. Yeah. But um, it, yeah, I just didn't know if this was preparing you to be a research faculty at a at a university somewhere, or is it more preparing you to be a like a NASA researcher? something like that I just didn't know which or is it really preparing you for either one I guess yeah I guess both to some extent okay so um, it's definitely it's definitely helped me understand the 
it, it, it's forced me to become a better researcher, I mm -hmm. think. Oh, so yeah. as it's, it's definitely helped me as a research scientist. Too. How has it helped you? Uh, well, as, as an early career to work with these hundreds of scientists that are well yeah. established, and you know, and some of the most brilliant scientists um, that are working on the surface of Mars, and people yeah. have dedicated their entire careers. So, it's um, in a sense, it, it you're sort of, uh, and it's an incredibly welcoming community and supportive mm -hmm. community to be part of. Um, but but it also holds you to to higher standard too, because. Mm -hmm. You're working with data from from the surface of Mars, and that's that's valuable data, and um, and uh, to 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 get the most science out of that mission, and to make it worthwhile, you need to be efficient and making use of that data, mm -hmm. and um, and making those interpretations. So, uh, it's been an opportunity for me to to put myself out there, and to to really work with that data and present it to a larger team. That has an incredible amount of experience that is able to to critique that, to um, to offer thoughts, and and to, to even better my science that that I've uh, I wasn't able to do before. So it's it's been a really cool opportunity to, to work with these pretty established people. Well, so. you're a humble person, and uh, it, some of what you're saying is a little deceptive the way you say it. Because it's not just a learning thing for you. You're, I mean, you're an active scientist. You are a scientist participating in this. It's not like you're just here. Because some of the way you say some of the things, it's like, oh yeah, I'm learning. I'm getting so much knowledge yeah. from this. But you're giving knowledge to this. You're contrib. You are a contributing member of this. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think so. But the yeah. way you say it sometimes, <laughs> it, it doesn't come across that way. But don't. Don't undersell, because I know for a fact you are. I mean, I've heard Briny speak nothing about your contributions and how smart and how great you are and how nice you are and all of this. Yeah. And it's, so I know for a fact the scientists involved value the input and the science that you are doing because you are a member of that. Totally, and, and that goes back to um, you know, what I said about the, one of the things that is so awesome about being part of it is that that the community is really welcoming, and um, and that those scientists really value the contributions from the more early career people, mm -hmm. and um, so yeah, it ha it has been a cool experience for me to to have an impact on a mission to yeah. uh, to be on operations and say, hey, you think you know Perseverance give fifteen minutes of of uh, it's time to, to look at that rock over there. It'd be really great for my, my research project. So so that yeah, that's a bizarre experience to oh be like, goodness. hey, I really so think- So you've done that? Yeah, I, I've been offered, uh, or I've, I've offered input into observations. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I, how do you interact with all these other scientists? Is this just some big old email thread? <laughs> that would, oh my gosh, yeah, I didn't think a, about that. That would be an incredibly inefficient process. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to go back and yeah. see, like, wait a minute, did I respond? Dear NASA, can you look <laughs> uh -huh. at this? Uh, <laughs> Please. No, we, we so uh, most of it is virtual. So we, uh, mm -hmm. um, it's mostly on, on WebEx or uh, so these telecoms that we, um, we call into so we have the the daily operations. Well, early on we were working seven days a week. I mean, not individually. We would have shifts. Yeah. Um, but now we've gone to a five day work week where on Friday we'll send up 
uh, a few days worth of work for the rover to get through the weekend. But um, yeah, so when when you're on shift, uh, you log into a, a, the telecon and you're on um, the telecon with a few like a bunch of engineers and scientists who are also working that day, and um, you're either responsible for uh, planning the rover's day for that that coming day, mm -hmm. or there's another telecon worth of people that uh, are planning the next few days, so the day after tomorrow, yeah. mm -hmm. and the few days after that, there's another group that is working on um, getting the data down from the previous day and analyzing that, and then each instrument has their own teams that are working on their individual data and processing that. Oh, um, wow. So it's a, it's a, a pretty uh, extensive process, and it's this sort of uh, really uh, integrated collaboration from scientists and engineers from all over the world. And we have international collaborations. We have teams in France uh, in Spain and Spain uh, and all over. So um, everyone's in different time zones. But, uh, <laughs> and then, and then uh, a few times a week, the entire science team gets together and um, oh. looks over data and um, and talks science and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so. so what kind yeah. of clearance? Do you have some special clearance thing then? Uh, I, I, I had to is, is fill out some paperwork. It? Is there a name uh, for your clearance on. level? I, He's not telling uh, us. There's yeah, a name. There is. He's just not I, telling us. I know. It's classified. There's a lot of okay. paperwork involved. <laughs> I, I honestly, I could not answer that. But um, yeah, because it's a government agency, there's, there's certain things. It helps as a U.S. citizen. It's a little bit easier than some of our international colleagues. Um, yeah, they have a few more hoops, don't they? Yeah, but uh, yeah. Very neat. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, probably the last question. You you said we study Earth to understand what's happening, the processes that are happening on Mars. So, what have you studied on Earth? What have I studied on Earth? Yeah. yeah. So. I, so beyond looking at coatings on the surface of Mars, uh, I also have an, another area of research that I've been focusing on, and, and this was sort of goes back to early on when I first started at Purdue, was um, looking at environments on Earth and uh, to understand what what uh, the landing site of Mars, Jezero Crater, which we haven't talked mm -hmm. about uh, in much detail, but uh, Jezero was, um, we have strong evidence that Jezero hosted a, a lake, a deep lake environment about um, anywhere between three and a half to 3.8 billion years ago. Uh, it has this incredible uh, large delta um, that we could see from orbit. And now that we're on the surface, we could see we're actually up right now. We're actually right up on the front of the delta looking, looking okay. towards it. And um, it's got a valley network and it's got minerals that, mm -hmm. that formed in the presence of water. So we know there was a deep lake there. Um, but uh, before we got there, um, you know, the, the only thing we do, the, one of the, the, the productive things to do is to, to use the laboratory we have access to here on Earth, and, and that's the, the natural environment here, is to understand lakes that might have looked, that might have um, been similar to, to what Jezero was like three yeah. and a half billion years ago. So I study a particular lake in, in Turkey uh, called Lake Salda. So in, back in 2019, 
uh, Brian and I uh, went there and we worked with some colleagues at the um, at the local university there in Istanbul and um, we're studying these particular rocks called carbonates and um, these carbonates they form uh, at, usually at, they form in the presence of microbes so microbes usually help uh, those rocks form and, and it's uh, they precipitate out of a solution um, that's uh, really uh, alkaline it has really high pH so that so the chemistry and um, and the geology the surrounding geology of, of that lake is, is similar to to, uh, to what we're seeing on, on Jezero so um, and the question that I'm trying to answer is how could we use this lake to better understand how um, particular rocks like we, we see evidence of carbonates on the surface of mm -hmm. Mars uh, or at least from orbit we have strong signatures of carbonate how how may have those carbonates formed did they form in the presence of microbes did, did microbes help those those rocks form and uh, there are other ways carbonates could form that don't include uh, biology but uh, yeah, that's that's one possibility, and that's what we're trying to understand more about. So, so you study the rocks and the chemistry of Earth to understand what happened in another planet millions of miles away. Yeah, uh, yeah. So or, or what are you? Are, are you a environmental scientist, a chemist, a geologist, Biologist. a planetary guy? What guess, are you? I guess it all fun, uh, falls under. Geology, Geolo <laughs> geologists. Yeah, I, I definitely wear within the larger field of geology. Um, I wear a few different, or I try to wear a few different hats. I think I, it's just been that's just how my the trajectory of my PhD has gone. Is um, you know, trying to learn a little bit more about carbonates and how they form, and then I put on a different hat and uh -huh. learn about a totally different thing and. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's that's one thing about being geologists is, and being a good scientist is broadening your expertise. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. So learning more about geochemistry and stuff like that, and um, and learning more about the yeah, interactions with rocks and mi microbes and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah. But, and these are the same things that I mean. I remember talking to Dan Chavez. He's like, yeah. "Well, you have so many questions, you have to narrow and decide which one." And, and so, and that's how you get expertise. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. It, it's yeah, it sounds like this is the rest of your life. Yeah, this is this is exactly what you now. do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool. That's cool that you're not only figuring out our planet, but you're helping yeah. figure out the universe. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of responsibility all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. We yes, appreciate thank you, you so taking much. time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. Boiler up! Hammer down! <laughs>